Hello, it's Michael Benner with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School in Los Angeles and this week's premium audio program, the first part of which is also podcast. Thanks a lot for being with us. Today's topic, the amazing power of the subconscious mind. Now, this is one of those topics that everybody knows just a little bit about and hopefully by the end of this program whether it's the shorter podcast or the entire premium program you listen to, you'll have a little better understanding of what this mysterious aspect of mentality truly is. In many ways, the subconscious is the essence of who we are mentally. We think of the conscious mind as being the personality, the nature of our character, our identity, and in many ways that's true, but the power of the mind, 80 to 90% of it anyway, is in what's called the unconscious or the subconscious mind. Now, we don't use the word unconscious much anymore because we know it's accessible. And subconscious, well, that's almost an unfortunate term because the prefix sub suggests beneath or somehow inferior to. Well, it may be beneath our conscious awareness, but as I just said, it is accessible. We know how to access the subconscious mind, and in many ways it is superior or standing above the conscious mind. You could also think of it as the pathway or the portal to your spiritual self, your oversoul, so to speak, the part of you that is connected to all things and the one life. Now, we're going to talk very quickly and briefly in this first 20, 25-minute segment, which we podcast for free, about the functions of the subconscious and its relationship to the conscious, the fact that it's a two-way street, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. I doubt we're going to have time for a relaxation or meditation exercise, though we will have one in the extended version of this program. So if you'd like to enroll... You can do so at our primary website, thews.theagelesswisdom.com. Click on podcasts and webinars and then on premium training. And with your ATM card, your bank card, credit debit card, you can sign up for a single week, a 13-week quarter, or for the deepest discount, a full year takes about 60 seconds, and then you'll get a link in the mail, email that is, with a link to the extended program. Podcast, of course, is available at the iTunes Store, most other podcast directories, our website. And for those of you who like to listen on your smartphones or your tablet, the application Stitcher is the one I recommend. And if you just go to stitcher.com, you'll be able to search for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, a single click, and it's on your mobile device. You can also look for a link in our weekly newsletter. If you're not getting that yet, be sure you sign up at our primary website. Just add your 
first name and your primary email address after clicking the button on the splash page that says free newsletter. The W's.TheAgelessWisdom.com All right, the amazing power of the subconscious mind. What in the world is this really about? Well, this has been understood for a hundred years. One of the best books I ever read about the subconscious mind was written in the 1890s, and that was by a Dr. Thompson J. Hudson called The Law of Psychic Phenomena. It's a funny title since we think of psychic phenomena in this day and age as having little to do with psychology, being sort of a paranormal fringe pseudoscience. Nevertheless, I think you'll find it a remarkable book. And he, like a handful of other psychologists, this was just an emerging science in the late 19th century, used as reference terms for the conscious and the subconscious, will and imagination. And that's where I want to begin. I want you to think of the part of you that wakes up in the morning and then falls asleep at night as your free will, your willpower, your volition, simply said your will, as in a piece or sliver of divine will or God's will. You have the ability to decide well, I think I'll take the red one. I thought about getting the green one, but no, I'm going to go with the red one. Or let's do this. No, let's not. Making a decision is an exercise of will or willpower. Frankly, that's pretty much what the conscious mind does. When we say the conscious mind is only 10 to 20% of our mentality, it's our will. Now, Certainly, it plays a role in our logic, in our reasoning, our rational thinking, our creativity, and even abstract thinking, will, applied thinking, deliberate, purposeful thought, like reading, for example, or making a list, or studying, or, as I said, making a decision. These are all exercises of will. The subconscious has been referred to since the late 19th century as the imagination. And I often think of the Einstein quote where he wrote that, and remember, this is one of the most knowledgeable men in the history of the world. Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge for the latter is limited to the information we already have access to, whereas imagination is unlimited and unbounded and includes everything we don't yet know and understand. So he's right in that regard and in many others. The subconscious is your imagination. This is the 80 or 90% of mentality that some people say you never use. Well, it's left on autopilot. You're using it all the time. In fact, the subconscious or the imagination is what's in charge when your conscious mind is unconscious, and yet you don't die. Whether you're asleep or 
in a coma, have fainted or passed out. You don't die. In most cases, your heart keeps beating, you're breathing, your body temperature and blood pressure and scores of other responses are being controlled and managed by your autonomic nervous system, which is regulated within the subconscious mind. You say, well, I thought you said that's imagination. Well, yeah, it really is the purview of imagination, but I want you to remember Imagination is more than your ability to access the subconscious mind. That's part of the imagination. Can I tune into it? Can I visualize or use the mind's eye to dream a dream with my eyes open or closed, to think creatively, to consider things I do not know? These are all exercises of the conscious mind accessing the subconscious or the will accessing the imagination. But as subconscious mind, the imagination is running 24-7 from some time in the midst of fetal development until you breathe your last breath and shed this mortal coil awake or asleep. The subconscious is always running the show. So what are the faculties of the subconscious, of the imagination? What are its abilities or responsibilities if the willpower is pretty much a matter of deciding and logic and reasoning, analysis, and and abstract and creative thought? Well, there are five basic categories of function in the subconscious or the imagination, One, as you might imagine, (laughs) is creative thinking. Another is conceptual thought, which is a little different. Conceptual thinking is the ability to stand back, to elevate your perspective for the bigger picture, to put things in context and see not only the detail, but the scheme in which things fit, the overarching umbrella view, so to speak. That's the concept. German word for that is gestalt, uh, meaning the whole that is greater than the sum of the parts, the whole deal, the big picture, holistic thinking. Indeed, even the word holy in a spiritual or religious sense is a reference to this word whole with a W, holistic. Those are the first two, creative thinking, conceptual thought. Memory is also a function of your imagination. Recall is the ability to access the subconscious with the conscious, but memory is stored in the imagination, in the subconscious mind, and it's pretty pretty much perfect. I don't think there's any way we can prove that because our recall is faulty. But scientists probing the brain in the particular nodes that are associated with memory, poking around with the little electrodes, can stimulate memories that the conscious mind might not otherwise be able to access. There's quite a bit of research on this. So while recall is faulty, the memory is perfect, it seems. What the recall has access to are those memories that have a strong emotional charge to them, positive or negative, 
oh boy or oh no, <laughs> if it was wonderful or horrible, that's the stuff that's at the front of the memory filing cabinet, so to speak. That's the material you're most likely to have access to. So that would be the third function. We've got creative thought, conceptual understanding, memory. Number four would be the emotions. Now, this is not, again, to be confused with left brain and right brain. That's an entirely different model from conscious mind and subconscious mind. So when we talk about emotions being a function of the imagination or the subconscious mind, that's not to say that it's only in the right brain. Don't get these two models confused. They're both dual in nature, left brain, right brain. But today in our program, we're talking about models of mind, not the brain. So this is conscious and subconscious. Again, emotional feelings, gosh, we've done dozens of programs in the past about the nature of emotions and emotional intelligence, and we'll do many more in the future. It's just such a huge field, and yet this is the source of most fear and anxiety in people's lives. People are more afraid of their own emotions than anything else more afraid than death, more afraid than lions, tigers, bears, spiders, and rattlesnakes. People are afraid of themselves, and in particular, their emotional feelings. And you could argue with that, and so it may not be true for you, but it is for the vast majority of people who, though they know they're unique individuals, would rather be like other people so they can be liked by other people fixate on judging other people as a reverse or backward way of learning something about ourselves or themselves. But we're incomparable. You'll learn very little about yourself by judging other people. The order is know thyself and then empathize with other people. But that's a little risky. <laughs> people are really quite terrified to take the plunge to turn their attention inward and know themselves, and yet the game is rigged. We're magnificent creatures, and each of us unique in very significant ways with particular gifts and talents, and the truth is the more you know about who you are, the more you're going to really like who you are, and not in an egotistical, pompous, or arrogant way. People with big egos are not people who know themselves, but Quite the contrary. An ego is a front. It's a false self. And so the more you know the truth of who you are, the less you need an ego, unless you're in real serious danger. And then fight or flight, which is egoic-based, will take over until you settle down and either win the fight or survive by running, fight or flight. But people who know themselves are basically humble like themselves, and are much more likely to be liked by other people as well. And then lastly, the fifth function of the subconscious mind is all the autonomic nervous system, your respiratory system, your digestive system, your nervous system, your cardiovascular system, all of these autonomic, autopilot, physical 
functions, as I mentioned earlier, maintaining body temperature and blood pressure and fighting disease and repairing and replacing cells, digesting food and so on and so forth. It goes on and on. Now, that's basically the definition of the two minds. Let's talk about the interface. How do they relate to each other? Well, it's a two-way street. There's a kind of a valve between the will and the imagination, the conscious and subconscious mind. And the more stimulated we are, the more stressed, the more anxious or nervous, the more worried or pressure or tension that we experience in our lives, the tighter and more closed off this valve becomes. The more disintegrated these two aspects of mentality. On the other hand, when we breathe and relax and deliberately feel safe, as in a meditation process, that valve begins to open. It's as if the limbic brain lets go of its grip on the neocortex and higher brain functions come online as we feel safer and physically more relaxed. Deliberately, through slow, deep breathing and a letting go feeling in the body, soften or yield like a balloon releasing air. Ah, relaxing, right? Or butter softening on a warm day. You actually feel that relaxation, that letting go feeling, and it changes brain chemistry, the frequency of brain waves goes down. And my point here is that valve, if you will, this is not a physical thing, just a model I'm creating for you. This valve that connects the will and the imagination dilates. And so the resistance to the communication between the two aspects of mind goes down. And we are better able, as conscious beings, residing for the most part in the conscious mind, to first of all be receptive to the information from the subconscious or the imagination. In other words, those creative thoughts and ideas, the conceptual understanding, the memory, and the emotional awareness of the subconscious mind becomes much more available as we relax. You know this. You never had a great idea or a profound insight or a really significant memory occur to you when you were emotionally worked up, stressed or angry or in the middle of a fight. In fact, understanding goes right out the window as we get more and more stressed because that valve closes off. So the way to access it, to be smarter and more creative, more aware, to think abstractly, more effectively, to be more aware of concepts and big pictures, to access your memory, you need to relax. Tip of the tongue phenomena is a great example, too, where the harder you try to remember something, the more it eludes you. It's only when you give up or really wise people will say, well, I'll remember in a minute, and then they stop trying. 
And that little valve relaxes and dilates, and 30 seconds later, it pops right into your awareness on the conscious side. But this is a two-way street. So we can also use relaxation to open that valve, and with the resistance to an exchange of information being lowered now, that valve is open. The subconscious mind or the imagination is more amenable to suggestion. And that's a very important phrase you may want to remember. Maybe that's a new word for you. I don't mean to insult you, but amenable is a great word. To be amenable to suggestion is to be open to a set of instructions. For example, to say to yourself, this will be easy for me to remember or I can understand this, or I'll be able to do that, or I want to wake up at exactly 6.30, and I have no doubt that'll happen. I can imagine myself waking up alert and rested and feeling great at exactly, and you picture in your mind, because the subconscious loves pictures, you waking up and the alarm clock which you never use now because you're programming yourself, (laughs) is sitting on the table and in your imagination reads exactly the time you plan to wake up the next day. Subconscious will comply. It has its own internal clock. It'll wake you up. You can speed healing. You can manage pain. You can control your habits. There's just no limit on what you're able to accomplish. Amazing things when you use relaxation to integrate the will and the imagination, the conscious and the subconscious, into one whole thing. The subconscious, that 80 to 90% of your mentality, your brain power, becomes much more open to receptive to and amenable to suggestion, simply sets of instructions. You could call them commands, but that's sort of a strong word. You really don't want to be bossy with your subconscious. You want to just lay down a suggestion. Okay? That's all the time we have for the beginning part of this premium audio. So this will be the podcast. I very much appreciate you being here. You can subscribe for the entire program. They usually run about 90 minutes and include a 40 to 50 minute segment from our archives featuring conversation with my business partner of 35 years, Steve Snyder and myself, a back and forth chat by two very dedicated people in this personal development field, particularly when it comes to the power of altered states. And you'll hear Steve and me talking about whatever topic we cover in the first part of this, which we podcast free. By the way, Stitcher is an app that we really suggest. (laughs) There's that word. And believe in. It's so slick and has so many wonderful features. It's a free app for your mobile devices, and you can use it to stream these podcasts direct to your smartphones and your tablet. And if your automobile dashboard is hooked to the internet, you can get it there too. Four million people, as I record this in 2014, already have digital dashboards and 
are hooked up to the internet. So you can always get us podcasts through the iTunes store or any podcast directory if you're using iTunes or some other podcast aggregator. That's just fine. It's a very slick, automatic way to download one of these audio programs, these podcasts. But Stitcher will stream it with a single click. You're subscribed, and then it's streamed directly to your mobile device. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R, Stitcher.com. And you can create your own playlist, stitch them together, if you will, from more than 20,000 other podcasts and radio programs. That's really a great feature, I think, of Stitcher. You can get a direct link, again, from our newsletter, so be sure and subscribe to that. If you're a premium audio program subscriber, stick around. We're going to continue with this topic, the amazing power of your subconscious mind. If you're a podcast listener, thanks very much for being here at the Mystery School from Los Angeles. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner.